We're still talking about living life to the fullest. And last week we discovered that the Word of God has to be our foundation if we are going to live uh, our lives to the fullest. Amen? And today we are continuing from that foundation. So quickly hold your Bible, lift it up in the air. This is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's Word, and my life will never be the same, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Romans chapter number 12, verse 2. Uh, just a quick announcement. On Thursday, there is going to be a church planting training here with Dr. Yu Chu. Most of you know we are part of a network called the Ethnos Community. And uh, he is the founder, and he's going to be coming out to do a church planting uh, training. And you feel, if you feel you're called into ministry full-time or part-time, and you'd like to know more uh, and get training around planting church, how many of you know that that's the only way we're going to change the world? Yeah. You know, I've heard people say we have way too many churches. No, we haven't even begun. You know, until we have as many churches as they have uh, liquor stores, then we will only be beginning. Amen? At every street corner, we're going to have a church. Amen? So that everyone will be saved. How many of you know that right now, as it is, if we are to get everyone who is in Johannesburg into a church Sunday morning from at 10 o'clock, we will not contain them. We can't. You know why? Because we don't have it. I mean, we're already full here, so we can't take more. So that just shows you we need to plant more churches. Amen? And these churches are going to be planted by you. Just hunt your neighbor and say you. It's going to be you. Amen? Because the pastors here can't be in two places at one time. We're staying here. But they want to hear the gospel in Durban, in Bramfontein, in Centurion, in Pretoria, in Polokwane. And you are going to do it. Hallelujah. I'll be right here, man. I love it here. <laughs> Romans chapter number 12, verse 2. So if you are interested, please join us, 6.30 on Thursday. Hallelujah. Romans chapter number 12, verse 2. The Bible says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be ye what? I did not hear that. Transformed by doing what? By the renewing of your mind, so that you may be able to do what? To prove or manifest that which is the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. This is my favorite scripture, and I believe it's the most important scripture for any New Testament believer, and I'm going to explain why. Um, but before we even do that, the first thing the Apostle Paul tells us is what not to do. Do you notice? The first thing he says is, don't do this. Don't be conformed. You know, uh, uh, just three years ago, we had our first baby. And before we did that, we went for what is called antenatal class, I think, where they train you how to look after a baby. And part of the training was they taught us how to change diapers. You know, and you have to uh, change a diaper of this little doll. And uh, uh, what they said, which was so interesting in that class is, hey, Tafara, if you want to change a diaper, the first thing you need to do is to get rid of the old diaper. And that was amazing. Because I used to think, man, if the baby wants a new diaper, just get a new diaper and give the baby a new diaper. And they said, before you get a baby a new diaper, you need to get rid of the old diaper. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is doing. He wants you to unlearn before you learn. Before he even tells you what you should do. He says, don't do this. 
What should you not do? Don't be conformed. Why? Because there is something that is trying to conform you. And the word conform simply means don't be poured into the mold. Or don't be uh, 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 poured into a system of thinking. Amen? When they're trying to manipulate steel, part of what they do is they heat it up so, and it becomes uh, liquid iron or, or molten steel or molten iron. And they pour it into a mold and whatever mold they pour it into, that's the shape it will take on. And let me tell you, if you didn't know this, I might as well break it down for you this morning. Life situations are there to melt you. All of us will be melted at some point in life. But here's the good news. You and I have the opportunity to pick the mold that we will fit into. You will either be a victor or a victim. Sad or glad. Amen. Blessed or stressed. It's totally up to you. And he's saying, whatever you do, don't conform to the world system. There are two systems that are running parallel to each other in the world right now. There is what is called the world system. Amen. And that's exactly what he's saying. Don't be conformed to that world. When he says world, he's not talking about the cosmic world. He's talking about a system of thought. And he says, don't be conformed to that system of thought, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. These two systems run differently. Over here, the world system will say something like, if you want to prosper financially, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. <laughs> Amen? In other words, take all you can. And over here, the kingdom system will say, if you want to prosper, give it away. And both these systems are running at the same time, and it's totally up to you which system you will conform to. Hallelujah! <laughs> he says, don't be conformed to the world system, but be ye what? Transformed. Man, that's a powerful word. It says, be transformed, be changed. And the Greek word for the word transformation is metamorpho, where we get the English word metamorphosis. And the best analogy for that is when a caterpillar is transformed or changed into a butterfly. It's drastic change. I mean, if you look at a butterfly, you don't even see traces of a caterpillar. That's how drastic this transformation is. When people look at you after you've gone through this transformation, they will not be able to recognize you anymore. They'll say, man, you've changed. You're different. You look different. You talk different. You smell different. Because of this transformation. But the way you go about it is by first not being conformed and second embracing transformation. And I'm so glad the Apostle Paul went to uh, tell the church how this transformation comes about. He says, "Don't be transformed by what? I did not hear that. I didn't hear that. Man, for many, many, many years, the church has just gathered around an emotional frenzy. Without realizing that when we come to a gathering like this, it is not only for us to just praise God and uh, be lifted up emotionally, but for us to also be activated intellectually. 
You know, I used to uh, 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 always wonder why we preach in church, you know. I, I'm always your why guy. Why? Why do we do this? So I asked one of my friends, man, why do they preach in church? Why do, why do they teach? And he says, well, that's just what we do. You know, we come to church, we sing the fast songs, get into the slow ones, and someone must preach so we can go home. <laughs> Amen? And that's not the reason why we teach. The reason why we teach is so that we can give you something you can use to change and rewire the secretary of your mind. Because if I can change the way you think, I'll change your life. If the Word of God can change the way you think, the Word of God can change your life. Amen? So as you listen, make a decision, make a commitment that whatever I'm learning, I'm going to use that to rewire, to renew my mind. Notice it didn't say uh, uh, be transformed by the renewed mind. Did you see that? He said be transformed by what? By the renewing I-N-G. And it's a present continuous tense. What does that tell us? It tells us that the renewing of your mind has to become a lifestyle. It has to be the way you live. It's not a one day thing. It's not an event. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifetime commitment to say, hey, listen, I'm going to go into the word of God and get as much word and let the word fix all the bugs in my mind. Amen. Amen. I said, amen. Amen. Now let's go quickly to um, Galatians chapter number five, verse 17. Galatians Chapter number 5, verse 17. Thank you, Jesus. This is very important. This is very important. And if you can get this, it will totally change your life. Amen? How many of you know that we are tripartite beings? In other words, we are a spirit, we possess a soul, and we live in a body. Anybody who knows that? Amen? So I read uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, and it says, If any man be in Christ is a new creature, behold, all things have passed away and everything has become brand new and uh, I received Christ and I went and I looked myself in the mirror and nothing had changed. And I used to wonder why. What is the scripture talking about? Everything will become brand new. Because I went and I looked in the mirror and nothing had changed. What the scripture meant was everything became brand new in my spirit. Your spirit is 100% different. Amen. Your spirit is exactly as the spirit of Jesus. Your spirit is loaded with everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness. Amen. Let's go to uh, Galatians chapter number 5 verse 17 as we do this. Galatians chapter number 5 verse 7. But before we even do that, let's go to Philmon 6. Philmon chapter 1 verse 6. Philmon 1 verse 6. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Your spirit, hunt your neighbor and tell them your spirit, your spirit. is exactly... Like Jesus' spirit. Tell them your spirit is loaded with everything that you need for this life. Amen? And I'm going to prove it to you. Watch what it says. It says that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of how many? I did not hear that. How many? How many? Every what? Good thing. Where is this every good thing? Where is this every good thing? It says which is in you first, primarily, in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? That means first it is in you, and the reason it is in you is because you are in Christ Jesus. So every good thing is already resident in you, and it is loaded in your spirit. 
Amen? Now what's the problem, Pastor T, if every good thing is already in me? What's the problem? Go to Galatians 5.17. I'll show you what the problem is. I'm going to get the board. Galatians chapter number 5, verse 17. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, this is good. So we said you are a tripartite being. You are number one, eh? Spirit. You possess a soul. And you live in a body. Soul. Soul. This is where your mind, your will, and your emotions are. And this is your spirit. Now, when you got saved, this became 100% brand new. And it's loaded with everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness. What, what would you like in your life? Prosperity? Yeah. It's already in here. Would you like divine healing? Yeah. It's already in here. Would you like peace? Yeah. It's already in here. Everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness is already in you. Now, what's the problem, Pastor Z? I'll show you what the problem is. The Bible says, for the flesh lusts against the what? The spirit. In other words, your flesh, which is your body, fights against the spirit. You know why? Because your flesh is sense-based. Your body can only relate to things based on the five senses. So your body will use these eyes to look on your bank account and communicate something to your soul. It will say something like, we are broke. And according to your body, you will really be broke. But your spirit over here is never in agreement. Because over here, your spirit is saying, hey, we are prosperous. I have everything that I need that pertains to life and godliness. So there is a war going on. The Bible says there is a war. The flesh is fighting against the spirit, saying we are sick. The spirit is fighting against the body, saying by his stripes I'm healed. So the question is, who wins? That's the question. Who wins? I'll tell you who wins. Whoever it becomes a democracy. Whoever your mind casts vote for wins. Give me Romans 8 verse 6. Romans chapter number 8 verse 6. So your mind is, is the one that casts the deciding vote. I need it. Watch what it says over there. It says for to be what? Carnally minded carnally mindedness or carnal mindedness is is not necessarily seen mindedness carnal mindedness simply means that which is of the five senses if you think you're not going to make it through the month because you're looking at your bank uh, uh, account and you're looking at the figures you you have a carnal mind Oh, no, you might be a goody two-shoes, living holy, but if you think you're not going to make it because you're doubting on the faithfulness of God, you have a carnal mind. Amen? If you think there is a sickness that's incurable, you have a carnal mind. Hallelujah! So, to be carnally minded is to be sensory minded. Do you see that? And what does it produce? For to be carnally minded is what? Is it possible that we could come up with two equations from this scripture? What would be our first equation? Carnal mind. 
equals how do I spell death? I know the last time y'all corrected me and you felt proud. <laughs> That's not happening today. And the second one? Spirit. Spiritual mind equals life and now how difficult is this? So, if you are a carnally minded Christian, you are going to produce death. Now, death does not mean to drop dead and, and, and ceasing to exist. You know, the Bible says Adam was told if you eat of the fruit, you're going to die. And when he ate of the fruit, he died. In the sense that he was no longer connected to the source of life, who is God. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. So anything, uh, uh, you know, anxiety, stress, poverty, sickness are all symptoms of death. And if you see yourself in any of those, the problem is over here. What do you spend your time reading? What do you spend your time feeding your mind? What do you spend? See, because to be carnally minded is definitely going to produce death. But to be spiritually minded is what? Life and whatever you focus on. See, your life, where you are right now, is just a total accumulation of your thought life. Your dominant thoughts. Man, if you think... Uh, sickness all the time it's going to manifest itself if you think I'm a winner it's going to manifest itself see your mind is the game changer whoever your mind vote for wins if your mind chooses to go with the spirit the spirit wins now what does it mean pastor T to be spiritually minded would you like to know it's simple it just means to be word of God minded when he says we are above only and never beneath, what should you be thinking? I'm above only and never beneath. When he says I'm the head and not the tail, what should I be thinking? I'm the head and not... When he says no weapon formed against you shall prosper, what should you be thinking? The problem is you go to work and if you're not spiritually minded, you'll be thinking, oh, they're scheming this against me, man. I don't know if I'm going to have this job next year. Oh, things are going to get bad. Oh, you know why? Because you're not spiritually minded. Because if you were really spiritually minded, you wouldn't give a hoot what people did behind your back. You know why? Because you know that no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And you fix that in your mind. So the problem is the mind. Man, this is good. I need someone to write notes for me for this. This is good stuff. I like it. <laughs> Let's go now to Deuteronomy 7.17. I need it. Keep it there. Deuteronomy 7.17. You really want to take it? Okay, you can have it. It's okay. You can have it. Deuteronomy chapter number... 7 verse 17 in the king james bible watch what it says this is god speaking to his children the children of israel he says if you say in your what he says if you say in your heart and that word heart is the same word mind as a man thinketh in his heart is not talking about the blood pumping organ amen as a man thinketh in his heart if you say in your heart or if you say in your mind if you say this that these nations are more than i god says how can i dispossess them in other words if you say whatever you say in your mind i cannot help you if it's contrary to my word god is saying man if you say in your heart that these nations are mightier than we god is how can i help you i really want to help you but i can't you know why because the democracy says whoever the mind votes for wins 
So church, we need to spend more time fixing the bugs in our minds. Just working on yourself. See yourself winning. See yourself as a more than conqueror. See yourself prospering. Because that's what the word says. Amen. Let's go to Numbers chapter number 13 verse 32. Numbers chapter number 13 verse 32. Thank you Jesus. Numbers 32 to 33. Numbers 13, 32 to 33. Just a brief background. Here's what happened. Uh, Moses sent out spies into the land that God had given them. And he said, go and see if the land really flows with milk and honey. And uh, after that, come back and give us a report. So they came back. The first ten spies that went, and uh, they did their PowerPoint presentation. And this was their PowerPoint presentation. They said, and they brought up an evil report. You know what an evil report is? It's as simple as anything. That's contrary to God's word. That's an evil report. Amen. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eats up its inhabitants thereof. And all the people we saw in it are men of great stature. That's a lie. You don't even need to know the Bible to know that that's a lie. There is no country in the world where everyone has a six-pack. She says, Every man in the land... Is a man of great stature? That's not true. And watch what he says. And there we saw the giants, the sons, sons of Anak, of the giants, and we were in whose sight? I did not hear that. In whose sight? In whose sight? I said in whose sight? In whose sight? <laughs> Man, I feel like preaching it. In whose sight? No, I did not hear that. Whose sight? He said, we saw we were in our own sight as what? Watch the net effect of seeing yourself as a grasshopper. We were in our own sight as a grasshopper and so we were in their sight. People treat you the way you see yourself. I wonder why they treat me like a grasshopper. Maybe you saw yourself first and they didn't even have to see themselves as a grasshopper. But because they were carnally minded, it produced fear. It produced anxiety. It produced a weakness in their spirit. But when you see yourself through the lens of God's word, it will produce victory. Amen. Remember, we talked about it last week. We said the only way you should be looking at yourself is through the mirror of the word. Yeah. Whatever the word says, I am. If the word says we are going over, we are going over. If the word says the land has already been given to us, the land has already been given to us. If the word of God says he has given us all things that pertains to life and godliness, I will not worry another day in my life because I know God is faithful to watch over his word, to do what to it? To perform it. Amen. I'm going to see myself not as a grasshopper. I'll see myself the way God sees me. Man, and God thinks great things about you. Amen. 
The Bible says he's mindful of you. <laughs> in fact, David writing the one time, he says, after reading so much and meditating God's word, he came back and he said, man, I can run through a troop and scale over walls. You know the stuff that Spider-Man does? Man, when you spend time in God's word, you will come back with a victorious mindset and say something like, man, I can do, I can do, man, I can do all things. Man, you cannot spend time in the word of God, meditating God's word and come back saying, man, I just don't know. You know, maybe these nice cars are for rich people. No, no, no. No, when you spend time in God's word, you'll come back and say, man, he owns a cattle on a thousand years. I don't lack for anything. They didn't even have to worry. Why? Let's go to Joshua chapter number 2. These brothers were lying. They were lying through their teeth. Let's go to Joshua chapter number 2 from verse 10 to 11. Joshua chapter number 2 from verse 10 to 11. Watch what it says. This is uh, Rahab giving them a, a, a testimony. It says, For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what he did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Or, O-G, whom you utterly destroyed. Next verse. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did what? I mean, they're thinking these guys are giants. And so, in the, meanwhile, at the ranch, these guys are melting in fear. Man, the thing that you're afraid of, that very thing is afraid of you. Hey, man. They're saying, man, we were afraid of you. Neither did there remain any courage in any man because of you. You know what that means? That means we didn't even have any strength to fight or oppose you. When we heard your testimony and what the Lord had done for you before. We didn't even have any strength to fight you. So all they needed to do was show up. Just hunt your neighbor and say, show up. Man. In fact, I was watching, uh, uh, we were watching Alva's interview with Eric last May. And uh, she's the director uh, uh, at Settleback Church, Praise and Worship. You know, about what, 6,000 people? More than that, 30,000, 25, 25,000. She runs a team of about 89. So they were interviewing her uh, on TV. It's on YouTube. I don't know if you've watched it, but <laughs> we were watching it. And the guy asked her, she said, the guy said, hey, listen, what's the one thing you would tell people uh, 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 they should know about if they want to join a praise and or run one? And she said, man, I'll just tell them they need to show up. And I was like to Eric, what does that mean? He's like, man, it just means show up. And that's exactly what I'm saying to you. All they needed to do was show up. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Just show up. You know why? Because the battle has already been won. Yeah. And this is what Joshua and Caleb understood. Go back now to Numbers chapter number 13 from verse 30. Thank you, Jesus. Watch what it says. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are what? We are well able. We are well able to overcome it. In other words, we are well able to take the land. Amen? So what are you going to do? Hunt your neighbor and ask them, what are you going, are you going to show up or are you going to exaggerate your problems? Ask them. Ask them and make sure you get an answer. Are you going to show up? What are you going to do? 
Are you going to show up or are you going to exaggerate your problems? Amen? Because those are the two, only two options you have. Show up and take what God has already given you or exaggerate your problems. Oh man, we went there and these giants, man, these giants, these big guys with biceps as big as you head. Oh man, these guys, man, we were like grasshoppers. Oh man, I'm well able. I'm well able. Are you going to exaggerate your problems or are you going to show up? Man, this land, they're not giving people, they're not giving jobs to people like me. You know, uh, this season we're in, they don't give people. Are you going to exaggerate your problems or are you going to show up? Oh, there are no eligible bachelors. If you're a single lady, oh, there are no eligible bachelors and you just exaggerate. Are you going to show up or are you going to exaggerate your problems? In fact, when we were doing the series, the single series, I got a question. Someone asked me, they said, hey, Pastor T, is there a shortage of eligible bachelors in South Africa? Black, black, black man, bachelors in South Africa. And I said, it, it depends on who's asking. If you have a mind of plenty, man, you'll be bumping into, stumbling over, tripping over. <laughs> eligible bachelors everywhere you go. You will not know what to do with them. You'll be going on dates every single day. Like, man, I don't know why I should go for dates anymore. I'm just tired of going on dates. But if you have a mind of scarcity, man, there will be a shortage of eligible bachelors. It depends on who's asking. Is there a shortage of money in South Africa? Is there a shortage of resources in the world? It depends on who's asking. Oh, there's just no money in this country. You know what? In fact, whatever you say, whatever you think, you are right. You are right. We won't even have to argue. If you think you're not going to make it, you're right. If you think you will make it, you're right. Whatever you think. If you think you're a grasshopper, ask them again. So what is it going to be? Ask them. Say, what's it going to be? What is it going to be? What is it going to be? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's go now to Ephesians chapter number 4, verse 17. Ephesians chapter number 4, verse 17. So your spirit is 100%. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to have this one last time. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, got it. One last time. Ephesians chapter number 4, verse 17. So your spirit, we said it has everything. Your spirit is over here. It has everything. call this manifestation the body so basically your spirit is everything and your mind is the valve that releases the life that is already in your spirit so your mind has the power to shut this life in here and never release it 
or if your mind is in line with God's word, it has the power to release it and it will influence everything that happens over here, which is the realm of manifestation. And that's what this scripture is saying. This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as the Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Next verse. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated, that word alienate means to be estranged. It says being estranged from the life of God through their ignorance. Ignorance separates you from the very life of God. Watch this. That is in them. The life of God is already in you. But ignorance will alienate you. It will estrange you. You know on your Facebook when you go and unfriend someone? Amen? There will not be any access. That's what ignorance will do. Ignorance will stop you from accessing the things that you already have. Have you ever heard people say ignorance is bliss? Not according to the word. The word of God says people perish because they lack knowledge or because they are ignorant. Amen? Being ignorant is not blissful. There is nothing blissful. About. Ignorance costs money. The reason you take your car to someone else so they can fix it is because there is something you don't know. Amen? So ignorant will cost you a lot of money. It's dangerous to be ignorant, particularly in God's word. You know why? Because it alienates, it stops the flow of life into manifestation. If you are ignorant about prosperity, there is no way you're going to live a prosperous life. I can guarantee you. If you are ignorant about healing, there is no way you can claim what you don't know. So the Bible is the will. It is the testament. You know, just like any man can leave a will of his estate when they uh, 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 die, Jesus left us with an estate, a will. But it's only those that go to the reading of the will. I mean, if a man died in Pretoria and they put my name in it, Tafara uh, um, is the possessor of this estate. And if I don't go to the reading of the will, I will not hear about it. And if I don't hear about it, I will not have any grounds to claim it. Oh, oh, here's something else. If I went to the reading of the will, and the minute they start reading the will, I went to sleep. And then they read my part. Tafara is now the new owner of this estate. And I'm sleeping. And then at the end of the church service, they say, we walk by faith and not by sight. And I walk out and I go home. And I didn't hear my part because I was sleeping. You know what? I cannot claim it. I can't claim it. Or if I misunderstand what exactly belongs to me. I can go to the office and they say, Hey, welcome. Uh, why are you here? Well, I'm here to claim my estate. What's an estate? Oh, no, I was just playing, man. I don't even know what an estate is. No, when you get there, the enemy is going to try to fight you. He's going to challenge you. He say, why do you think God should heal you? And you should say, man, because he said in Isaiah 53 verse 5, he was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities, the chastisement of my peace was upon him, and with his stripes I am healed. Why do you think he should prosper? Because 3 John, I read somewhere in the wheel, and I saw my name in 3 John 2. He says he wishes above everything that me, Mina, I may prosper and be in good health even as my soul, pro or to the degree that my soul prospers. 
Why do you think you should have peace? Because he's told me somewhere in the will that I should not be anxious about anything, but I should bring everything to him in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard my heart and my mind through his knowledge. And if I keep my mind on the right thing, he said somewhere in the will in Isaiah 26 verse 3, that he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. Because I know what the will say. And if you know what the will say, you can stand at that office and say, Hey, I'm not leaving. Because I know there's something that belongs to me in there. And I know the tracking number says it's already here. And I'm here to take what's mine. Man, you should treat them the way you treat some of these customer service people. When they mistreat you, that's how you should treat the spiritual realm. If you don't see prosperity and you know in your Noah that God died for you to prosper. You know that he became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. If you know it in your Noah, you will not take some of the stuff that people take. Have you ever seen how people treat customer care people? In, in, that's how you should treat the devil. I mean, how, da how dare you talk to me like that? Some of you bring it. Really bring it. That's what Eric would say. Bring it. <laughs> I was like, that's not English. And he says, man, I thought it was. <laughs> Just bring it. Amen. Just bring it. You would really get annoyed if you knew that, hey, listen, this really belongs to me. Okay, let's close now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go. Uh, as we close to Philippians chapter number four from verse six, seven, and eight. Thank you, Jesus. Watch what it says. It says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And what will happen? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Next verse. And finally, my brethren, someone say finally. This is the most important thing. He's giving them final uh, 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 instructions. It says, finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are what? True. Is it truth that you're broke? No, it's not. It's just fact. The truth is in the word of God. And facts change, truth remains the same. Amen? It's not true. So finally, things, things that are true, whatsoever things that are honest. Is it honest that people like you are treated unfairly? So don't keep your mind on it. Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Is it a lovely thought that you're not going to afford the life that you really want to afford? Is it a lovely thought that this sickness is going to torment you unto death? That's not a lively thought. Amen? Whatsoever things are of a good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, that's what you should focus on. Think on these things. Use your mind to focus on thoughts that are lovely, just, honest, good, of a good report. See yourself in the future. See yourself doing well. Amen? See your marriage in a different light. See your business in a different light. Focus on thoughts that are lovely, thoughts that are of a good report. If it is not of a good report, don't even waste your time on it. It says don't be anxious about anything. Be careful for nothing. Amen? 
I mean, I would rather lose following these instructions than lose doing it my own way. And guess what? If you follow these instructions, you will never lose. You will win. If you go back to Numbers 13, the guys that said we are grasshoppers, they stayed grasshopper and never made it to the promised land. The guys that said we are well able, they made it to the promised land. You know why? Because they chose, hey, listen, we, we're going to focus our thought on something else that's good. The lepers sitting outside of the uh, a city because there was a famine in the city, they started having a conversation. I think it's the most important conversation you ever read in scripture. They started talking to one another. They said, man, what's up? What's going on here? If we sit here, we're going to die. If we go back into the city, we're going to die because there's a famine. So what, what, what do we do? And they said, hey, let's die having fun. You might as well die having fun, right? Just, let's die trying. Let's do something else different. Let's take a risk. Let's step out of the boat. The only way you can walk on water is if you step out of the boat. And they said, man, let's take a walk. And as they took a walk of faith, God's power came in and accompanied them and gave them the greatest victory ever. You know why? Because they decided, hey, listen, we are dying anyway. Anxiety will kill you. Thoughts of fear, thoughts of lack, thoughts of just weakness will destroy you. Thoughts of victory will give you strength. Amen? Thoughts of victory will give you a life of overcoming. But it's an investment. That's why the Bible says for us to guard our minds, to guard our hearts. With how much? With all diligence. Because out of it will flow the issues of life. Man, you could be religious all you want. If you don't take care of the mind, you live defeated. I, I was there. I, I remember, man, I would go to uh, Monday prayer. Tuesday, I'm a praise and worship, man. I would go to every meeting, just serving the Lord, but I never renewed my mind. And I lived a life of defeat. It was just defeat after defeat. But when I discovered, hey, listen, I have a responsibility to change the way I think. And I started spending time in God's word and seeing myself from a different light. Man, things changed. But it's not going to be easy. You know why? Because the enemy wants to plant his thoughts too. How many of you know that the mind is a garden? And if you don't plant anything in a garden, what happens? Weeds grow. And what does that mean? That means over here in the kingdom of God, doing nothing is actually doing something. And the something you're doing is nothing. So the weeds will grow. So the weeds will grow. Someone else will plant it for you. Amen? So when it comes to your mind, child of God, I want to encourage you to spend some time renewing your mind. So that your mind can be in line with what's in your spirit. And your mind can begin to release the life of God that is already in your spirit. Prosperity is already here. It's just ready for you to release it. You have to start thinking prosperous. Man, there's a gentleman back home. He's a businessman. And he's, I, I don't even think he's a believer. But he's the most positive man 
I've ever seen in my life. I mean, you could see him at the uh, grocery uh, shop just checking out. He's talking big. He's just thinking big. Ah, three billion. We sent three billion to China. Some of it is not even real. Uh, we sent three billion to China. We'll get 16 billion and then we'll do deals. And then yeah, next week I'll buy a Bentley. And guess what? This guy lives a very good life. You know why? Because he doesn't even give himself to think impossibility. He doesn't, he doesn't even go into that realm. He's always thinking big, just big. We can do this. Yeah, we can do this. And last year he decided, hey, listen, I'm going to stop uh, uh, my business for a year and go and run the, uh, the, the uh, soccer uh, commission for about two years. And then when I'm done, I'll probably go to rugby. And I'll tell you right now, he's running the soccer commission. Because he decided and he said, ah, it's possible, we'll do it. After we run that one, we'll run that one. And then we'll run that one. And then after that, we'll run for the presidents. And you know what all of us are doing? We're just standing on the sidelines saying, he's crazy, he's crazy. But guess what? He's making strides. I mean, right now, as I'm talking, he's running the commission. He told everyone, ah, this year we'll run the commission and yeah, we'll just make <laughs> Boom. Make things happen. Amen. He has a big mind. And if you are a child of God, you have to have a big mind. Let's stand on our feet. Thank you, Jesus.